fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Stinky. Yep. Yep. There's frogs in here. I hope the mic picked it up. <laughs> it may have. It may have. There have been a couple caught on caught on audio. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good stuff too. It's healthy. Truly. Hmm. Truly strawberry lemonade. It's not good. It's <laughs> not good. Decided to go something a little different today. Yeah, change it up. Well, I had to get gas on the way. So I got seltzer at the gas station. And I was like, oh, this kind of looks like it might, might, might you know, be a little different. It's different in a bad way. I don't hate it. I mean, I'm going to drink it. <coughs> it's going to kill me. It gave me a little bit of heartburn. But. Yeah, it's got like that. It's super acidic right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. And remarkably sweet for yeah. a truly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, Sunday, nice and relaxed. Have a good long run. I had a good long run. Mm-hmm. We did. Uh, we did 18 miles. Man, did we're you get lost. Of, Is that what happened? Or like, yeah, okay. we're, we're getting up in a mile in the miles. Uh, 40 miler April 11th. So we've got to we got to log some miles between now and then. That sounds awful, dude. <laughs> How are you, bud? Good, a little worn out. We're trying to get our house on the market. So yeah. um, today was a, a painting madhouse. Uh, and you know, something I, um, the last time, or the last time I did big painting, I was like, you know what? I'm going to finally get one of those like, uh, just like four foot paint poles that attach to the mm-hmm. bottom of your paint roller. It's like, eh, I mean, like a broom like, handle. Yeah. It's like, yeah. they're like six bucks, but this seems like it'd make life a lot easier. And for those of you who don't have one, do yourself a favor and get one. <laughs> I, I have, uh, yeah. Why would you not have one? I, it just it seems like a totally unessential p- tool to have, right? I think like it's I have like arms. The most essential painting tool. Well, besides a brush. And now I would I would agree with you now that having one of those sticks was like it changed my life in the way of painting. No more bending over. No 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 tippy toeing. You know, from my days of selling paint and associated products, I have a extension purdy pole. It's like mm-hmm. a fiberglass handle with an aluminum insert, and it locks at different. It's telescoping and locking, and it's like prized possession. Yeah, I almost got one of the uh, expandable roller heads to to get like an eighteen inch wide roller, but I decided that would be too much. Yeah, that's how, they're they're cumbersome. Yeah, because also paint trays don't fit them. You need a big paint tray. And I I have bucket loads of just standard size paint trays. Right. <laughs> so that's right. what that's that was my day. I woke up and just painted all day. Yuck. Yeah. Not fun. Yuck. Not fun. I hate painting. So yeah, I I don't like the activity at all. But it's um you know we're we're still just plugging away on it. I just got a blink camera notification. Oh boy, something's happening. No. Is this your new life, just checking your Blink cameras all the time? I just check it when I'm not home. I don't ever check the live, but when I get a notification, I look and see what camera activated. This was the indoor one, so it means that my wife just sat down on the couch and rustled the uh, curtains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, yeah. we're talking about watches today. We are. And, we and, and actually, we we brought someone to talk about watches. Which is unusual now for us. It's been we a haven't couple had weeks. somebody on in a while. Yeah, nobody interesting to talk to. Well, plenty of people, they just don't want to talk to us. And I don't blame them. Yeah, that's right. We found one who was willing, though. Yeah. 
We, we found one that was willing. Hey, uh, Jeremy, are you still on the line? Did we lose you already? No, I'm here, guys. Jeremy Burlingame, Goodspeed Watches, thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you were on the show last September, October-ish mm-hmm. yep. to talk about your Sonoma chronograph. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was October of uh, 2019. Yeah, it's a while ago. Yeah, that's right. It, it seems, it both seems like not very long ago mm-hmm. and an eternity and like a million years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but <laughs> good, good news on the Sonoma, it fully funded, Yeah, went to production. You still have some available on your website, am I correct? Yeah, I have like maybe four left. They're pretty pretty slim there's only a few left but um there, there's still a few the mechanicals mm-hmm. those are the ones that uh are still there but um yeah but for the most part i would call them nearly sold out right um so all right yeah. so we've got you here today to talk about the newest iteration watch number three Mm-hmm. We'll call. Are we going to call it three? I think three is appropriate. Yeah, I yeah. think this is your third. This is your yeah. third watch. This will be your second yeah. watch that goes to production, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it shall go to production. We're the good luck charm. That's right. Yeah. I have fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. We're here People to talk will on February first, pretty much. So we're here to talk about your fantastic field watch. I think it's fair to call this a field watch. Perhaps a go anywhere, do anything watch, dress sport. In that family, the Scout. The Scout, which is being announced on Kickstarter, or which has been announced, but will go live on Kickstarter this week. Yeah, yep, yep, on February 1st. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, You know, this this watch has been in the kind of the works for quite a while. I've had this one on the back burner and didn't rush it. You know, I'd put, I'd uh, work on it for a little bit design wise and then step away for a couple months and then pick it back up and say why didn't what was i thinking that doesn't look right um this needs to be changed you know that sort of thing so kind of took my time this was i mean i had a draft of this watch when we talked last time um but it didn't look anything like what it looks like today it looked a lot clunkier and not as refined and you know it just looked like a first draft and um And I finally decided that I, you know, after putting it down and picking it back up, you know, letting a couple months pass, picking it back up, taking a look at it, I finally decided, you know, I think I'm, I'm done. I think it's where I can envision it to be and where I want it to look like. And it's kind of checking all the boxes that I wanted it to check. And uh, I think it's time to, to make it and start to get it out into people's phones and computer screens and, and that sort of thing so well so i think m- many of our listeners if not all of our listeners will at this point have at least seen pictures of the watch because they've been circulating for a month and a half two months now yeah. um pretty regularly uh and and i think you've got some pretty good traction on this thing um w- why don't we give why don't you give us just some basic specifications we've got one here right so we're yeah. andrew and i are handling one right now why don't you give us just the basic specs, kind of what you're, what you're going for, what you wound up with, and how we got here. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what I ended up with was this, um, I wanted a watch that was a, a, a kind of a cross between a field watch and a more dressy piece. Um, you know, because I think if you think about a tr- like a really traditional field watch, like a Hamilton khaki, it that is like the quintessential, my definition of a field watch. Or, or any watch that looks like it was from World War II soldiers would have worn, that's sure. a field watch. Sure, like a G10, um, W10, yeah. that, that sort of thing. Exactly. But I mean, and that's awesome and it's great, but I, you know, I don't see, I don't think you would really wear that to your wedding or to um, a formal event. And so, um, and at the same time though, I wanted a watch that wasn't like a tank where it was extremely and exclusively dressy and you wouldn't wear that on a hike. Um, and so the idea was designing a watch that had the specs of a good field watch with 200 meters of water resistance and, um, sapphire crystal and and that that sort of thing, but had the kind of look and the aesthetic of a, of a classic field watch, but, but at the same time, didn't, I mean, it didn't have the exact, specs of a or the look of a field watch so you know it's not a full black dial with all the numbers um illuminated and and that kind of thing it's um i tried to put my own spin on it and and kind of design a watch that hadn't ever been created before um and yeah the idea is that you can take this watch and go anywhere with it you could um you know you could wear it to a wedding or to a funeral or to a hike or you know you could swim with it to the ocean um whatever you want to do this watch is going to get in the way and um and that was the that was the kind of driver behind the the design and and the the ch- the choices and the specifications and movement etc yeah walk us walk us through the specs on this thing yeah, so it's got the Miyota 9039, um, and the reason I chose that, I mean, you know, I, last time I was on here, I, I talked about how I like to design watches that I like, primarily, and then, um, you know, with, with the hope and that they're going to resonate with other folks as well, um, obviously. So, um, but at the same time, I don't want to kind of distance myself too far from my own design aesthetic and so um you know i want to be a watch that i would wear in any color way that i design i I want it to be something that i love and um so chose the three the three colors um and then recently added the fourth color in crimson red um but as far as yeah going back to the miyota 9039 i chose that movement primarily because it's a thin uh thin movement the watch comes in at about 10 millimeters yeah, um, mm-hmm. pretty good for um, you know keeping it out out of the way and not too bulky and that sort of thing. Um, and I'm not a huge fan. I'm just not a date fan. I don't I don't I don't write checks anymore, so I don't need to know what date is. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> and so then you know the 9039 is a no date movement. There's no ghost position in the crown, so that's a that's a definite plus and. Um, yeah, I think this movement's been getting a lot of, and there's a lot of other brands that are using it, and I think it's got a track record of being a, a well-received um, and, and kind of a workhorse movement. So, um, Yeah, I, th- I think oftentimes Miyota gets discussed as the, the, the 90, 
39 or 9 OS 5 or or you know the whole 9000 series of automatic movements I think a lot of times get discussed as maybe an upgrade to the Seiko to the NH or 4R mm-hmm. movement. Um, yeah, they're a little more expensive than those. Yeah, um, so so pro- probably about three times as expensive would be my would be my guess. Uh, not being someone who buys movements regularly, is, am I about right on there? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so you, you know, it, it, you can do the math at home if you if you have any idea what a bulk NH movement costs, a bulk Seiko movement. Um, this is going to be about three times that. So um, when you see Miyota Miyota movements and watches, you you got to factor that in. <clears throat> Um, yeah. But I think I think oftentimes it gets discussed as maybe in between the Seiko and the Salita at a twenty-eight, twenty-four, you know, movements. I, I think that's a little unfair, um, or or maybe a little irrational. Maybe not unfair. Who cares about fair? Mm-hmm. I, I think the Miyota movements actually probably the the best of those four in terms of function um its ability to do the thing it's supposed to do people have a few criticism about the amino you know the single directional winding and the helicoptering i think are the biggest ones you hear but outside of that it's 3.9 or 3.8 something millimeters thick which i think is thinner still than the 2824 or the Salita version is it? Is, is am, am I am I accurate on that, Jeremy? Do you know? You're 100. percent Yeah, you you got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to watch that. You know, I wanted that movement to be thin. I wanted this watch to not have a huge presence on the wrist, and um, as far as the the, the thickness and, um, and you know, as well as the case size as well. So I chose 38 and a half millimeters on the case size. Um, personally, I mean, I think that's a really nice size. I, um, you know, I think. So I have some vintage Omega that are 33 millimeters and I wear them. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever come out with a 33 millimeter watch. I don't think it would go, not for a man at least, it wouldn't do very well. Yeah, um, I don't think the market, I don't think the market no, wants that. Right. You'd and sell even, at least two even, though. <laughs> I, I would dig it. You'd sell a handful of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even like 36, I mean, I know, I know, um, there's a lot of fans of 36 out there. I just think, um, I just, I'm trying to, I don't want to make multiple case sizes for one. It's really expensive to, to have these different molds made. So, I mean, this case is not, um, this case is not off the rack. It's, you know, it's, it was made for me and, um, and for this watch. So, um, you know, I'm not, I didn't choose this size just because it was available by the manufacturer from some other brand or, or what have you. So, um, so it could have made it in 36, I could have made it in 35.2, but, um, you know, I chose 30 and a half. So I feel that's like a really good size, uh, for most people. And I know that a lot of people are probably going to argue with me, um, and say, well, dude, you know, I don't wear anything under 44, but, and you know what? Those guys there's, are dumb. Right. Well, yeah. Not- well, or just, yeah. this isn't the watch for them. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. They can and, go to and, Macy's and buy any single watch in the case and it'll be plenty big for them 44 to 48 about 16 millimeters thick right maybe have some bedazzling <laughs> right exactly so it, yeah no uh, i think i think you're right in there i think it's a great case size you managed to get 200 meters of water resistance here in a 
38 and a half millimeter case with only 10 millimeters of height. You you don't have a big domed sapphire crystal, which I think probably uh, helps you with that height, but that's still a good number with 200 yeah. meters of water resistance. Yeah, you know, I the um, you know the last two watches were both domed, and, and I decided to do this one as a flat crystal. Um, I think it, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but um, it's a lot easier to photograph, for one thing, um, without having this, you know, convex mirror on top of your wrist um i don't i don't really care how many layers of anti-reflective you put on it it's still a dome crystal still reflects a lot of light yeah in, in particular domed sapphire is yeah. it can yeah. be really tricky yeah um so, and flat is is the right choice for this style of watch i think i think domed would would be a weird choice mm-hmm. i agree yeah yeah so screw down crown um, to get that waterproofness as well. And, um, you know, I like, I really like how it's signed. I, I'm, I'm happy how I brought that logo into the, the crown signature. And yeah, you're, you're signing on the crown, I think is one of the things as you turn the watch over and you inspect it. I think the crown is probably w- one of those details that kind of surprised me at, at how good it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it feels like a, a piece from a much more expensive watch. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's a that great. Was the intent, you know, um, you know, you you think about. I mean, you guys, you guys know you're talking to the the same people. Um, there's a lot of overlap in micro brand manufacturing. I mean, and I, I don't think anyone really knows. I mean, even amongst us brands, anyone really knows the degree of overlap there is. I think only the manufacturing houses could be really the ones that could tell you exactly who they make what for. Um, right, right. And, and the, but, the OEMs guard that stuff and pretty closely. Yeah, they don't share it. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you know, these, these same manufacturing places are making the same watches. And so you kind of have to ask yourself as a brand, what am I bringing um, to the table? Um, and we can kind of say, and to some degree, I'm not saying this a, a, across all micro brands, but I, I think among some of the top and better micro brands, the quality is going to be almost identical across the board. You're not, you're not really buying quality and there's not going to be a huge discrepancy between um, some of the brands other than perhaps quality control checks that the brands then run their watches through after they take, take the order back. But, um, you know, and so just trying to think about the, basically the value proposition of, of what I'm offering, um, in this watch. And, um, you know, and that comes down to price and it comes down to the look of the watch and whether it resonates with the right people and for the right reasons. And, um, so, you know, I think that's something I I, I try to think about when I'm pricing a watch and designing one and, and all that. Yeah. And I think in terms of specs and, and quality, you're, you're hitting it on the head. Um, I think we would we we've sort of gotten real close to it, but we should probably talk about the most striking thing about this watch, which in my mind is the dial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about your design of the dial. Tell us about the process to get there. What, what sort of mental iterations or or design iterations you went through, and how you settled on this? What I'm going to call a sector dial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's fair to say. How did you get here? You know, um, I re- like I said, I really wanted a watch that was unique and that 
hadn't been done before and had a lot of uh, vintage throwback to it. I mean, not to say there aren't brands that are doing a sector dial. Um, you know, even Troska's Summitier, it, it hints at a sector dial with like a, a raised portion yeah. um, of the, the number ring area. Um, it's raised to kind of show, but, um, you know, really this, this watch is a throwback to some of the, you know, vintage watches in the 1930s and 40s. And uh, where, I, where I think from kind of my research, sector dials really started to take off and they had more of a popularity back then. Um, and the difference here, though, is I really wanted, I don't know exactly where I came up with the idea, but this idea that the numbers and the hour markers would be a negative space where the brushing would show through. Um, you know, I don't really, that wasn't really something I had seen before, and it was something I thought was unique. And um, I knew there were going to be limitations for as far as um, people who are um, loom, diehard loom um nerds but i thought it would be cool enough to do and not have the loom um be a be a big player in that so yeah you know and, um, and it, it is loomed but but not yeah uh, not such that each of the markers are filled with loom right exactly and so you know i originally talking about um the design aspects of this watch like i said this i had a lot of different versions of this you know the first version actually had um the, the hour markers were little diamonds instead of circles, um, the, as an example. Mm. Uh, I tried it with all numbers, we know, 1 through 12. Um, I, at one point, had it, two versions with uh, Roman numerals and also one with just uh, the Arabic numbers. Um, and when it came down to it, I really, you know, I really liked it, but it didn't look quite right. You know, it just didn't all tie together in the way that I wanted it to, and so... I started to, you know, it's kind of like um, what I would imagine, like carving a, carving something out of a block of wood. You kind of keep taking wood off until you finally get down to what exactly is you want without anything that you don't need, um, really. So, uh, so yeah, I have the 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 three colors originally, the three original colors, and um, and I wanted them to be all kind of in the same color family, if that makes sense. Um, not be too different from each other. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, and there is a design constraint. One of the design constraints is that in order to get the contrast, the color has to be dark enough. So uh, <clears throat> one of my first, uh, the first three colors I had were actually um, black, green, and cream. And the cream really didn't show through enough. You couldn't see the background through the, mm. um, the cream ring. So, um, now is <laughs> is the is the dial so so the base material is that an anodized aluminum? Um, it's actually brass, but it's um, you know it's um, it's coated and then um, brushed. Yeah. Okay, so it's got some sort of plating, and then you brush the yeah. plating. Yeah, I see. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so you have the three colors. Um, and then most recently thought of the, the crimson, add that in. That should actually, I should actually, so one thing else to note is I went through a lot of prototyping with these watches. I mean, I mentioned that they've been a work in progress for a while and, and that sort of thing. But so this, um, usually 
like on the Sonoma, most of all the um, versioning happened just digitally with, um, you know, just files on the internet. Um, this one actually had multiple watches made and all of that to get to what we see today. Um, and so, you know, you don't, you're never going to see those watches, right? But, um, but they are out there. I mean, they're in my drawer, but, you know, they happened. And, the, I, and it really was, talking about process, um, it was really different seeing those watches come to life and then going, oh, man, this doesn't, this is close, but this isn't right. This well, isn't perfect. So Talk us through some of that stuff. That. <laughs> hang on, hang on one, one kind of aside. Did you say they're in my cooler? Did I say that? I meant to say my drawer. Oh, okay. I yeah. was like, why do you keep your watches in a cooler? I, I thought we just stumbled upon something that we were doing wrong. I know, right? Uh, I, I was like, man. I, I had secret. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So let's talk us through that iterating and, and, and what that process looks like. And because and, this is this is one of the one of the challenges that I think every brand owner faces. And I think it's something that we miss as watch consumers is everything that goes in to that final product. And, and once once we kind of get away from the dial and the case, I want to work mm-hmm. my work our way down to the end links through the bracelet to the class. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that process because n- none of this seems like at, at least to you and, and from from what we know of you, none of this is just a, an afterthought. Nothing is just grabbed on the way out the door Right. It's all very deliberate. And that's that's what I'm curious about. Yeah. So, I mean, a part of it is, you know, really, um, as my brand and network has gotten bigger over the last couple of years, I've been able to recruit more folks to kind of act as a sounding board for some of the ideas that I've had. or um, And I only really share ideas when I think I need to or want to or you know have something to share or or that sort of thing so um you know i got some really good feedback this last for the scout and um changed some little things and um and so that really that really helped to kind of get us you know the person's perspective on on what they were looking at and you know they're they're not when you come and look at a watch for the first time they don't have the 12 14 months worth of kind of agonizing that I have and, mm-hmm. and I might be myopic to something that is glaringly obvious to everybody else. So, um, so that's a piece of it. And I, I you know, I, I appreciate having that level of feedback that I can get from folks. Um, but yeah, being able to make these watches, get a version saying that's not right. Let's do it again, but let's do this differently. Um, I mean, like this Goodspeed logo with the Goodspeed and the globe on the dial, that changed three or four different times um, until I was finally happy with uh, the way it looked. And, um, you know, I, I really like watches with globes on the logo. Um, there's, some, there's a few, you know, like the um, Edox, uh, what is Ocean Sphere, I think it's called. Um, there's a couple of them that really speak to me. So I thought, you know, let's just... Uh, Let's just do that. I like I like the way that looks. So let's um, you know it's kind of like is that that simple really? But it's not that simple, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it um, feels very like nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties World's Fair. Yeah, the the imagery feels it, it that really sort of modern world of the future 
feel uh, that we think of as retro now. That's su- yeah, super antiquated and very very vintage feeling. It it like it evokes some kind of sentiment of a of a time that you were not a part of. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's exactly the kind of feel I was going for, and um, and. You know, I think it all came together really well. I'm really, really proud of how it came out. I think it's a simple, in a lot of ways, I mean, it's a pretty simple watch. I mean, um, there's nothing, it doesn't tell the time. I mean, the temperature or anything like that. Um, it just, you know, does does time. It's three-handed. But, um, you know, it's not easy to put out another watch that doesn't look exactly like something else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um or doesn't look like the worst parts of five different watches, or whatever, what have you. You know, it's it's a it's a challenge to um, put something together that's unique enough that people want to wear it and um, and to buy it. So well, so for the folks at home who don't regularly make watches, what are some of the things that happen? You you know, you've now you've now um, designed designed several watches, and I assume some that we haven't seen. And you've got experience at this point going through the manufacturing process, working with OEMs. What are the things about that process that the folks at home might not know, um, might not be able to envision, you know, what kind of difficulties you're going to have in in doing that? Yeah. Well, um, so the Kickstarter fund is, so for the Sonoma, for example, the Kickstarter funded in November. It started in October. It ended in November. It was a month long. It ended in November. Um, Kickstarter takes like three weeks to process the funds um, and send those over to you. And then it's about that time you put your order in with um, your uh, manufacturing partner. And um, so that all happened great. And then... Um, and then COVID hit and um, everything was shut down everywhere, right? Even, I mean, it doesn't matter if I made these watches in Toledo, Ohio or, or um, Shenzhen, China, it, nothing was working um, mm-hmm. for a number of months. So, um, you know, I think we actually didn't, I mean, there were delays. We, so this watch didn't, the Sonoma didn't ship until uh, early June, um, which is a long time to put some money down and not see a watch back. Um, but, you know, I tried to keep communication high with all my backers and um, customers to let them know what was happening and when we were thinking things were going to start moving again and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, tried to stay on the ball as far as communication so people didn't think that they were high and dry. Um, but, um, so yeah, so typically, typically that manufacturing process should take about three months. In this case, it took about six months um, mm-hmm. because three months were shut down. Nothing was open. So, um, so I mean, obviously, there's things like that. There's those kind of unknowns that happen that um, can throw a wrench into things. But, you know, going back to something, <laughs> as far as the Kickstarter goes, and just kind of my own philosophy about it, is I, my philosophy is that the watch that someone clicks and supports on Kickstarter is the watch that they receive. And if you want to upgrade that watch somehow, if you want to enhance the, the, uh, you know, the bracelet uh, class with something, or if you want to offer another strap, or if you, 
blah, blah, blah. All for it. But I don't think that you should really change anything substantial about the watch, like mm-hmm. at all. Um, and so um, that's something that I really tried to stick to. Um, and and so unless there's a something crazy happens, I see no, you know, no reason to change what people to agreed to buy. I think it's kind of a contract. And, um, and so I'm going to uphold my side by saying this is the watch you bought and this is the watch you're going to get and not oh, we decided to change the logo uh, in February, and now it looks like a blank, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, so so on that note, we've got a prototype in our hands. Hmm. Um, anything that from this prototype to production models that's going to be different than what we look at, what we're looking at here? So one thing I'm looking at doing is um, I've talked to folks and try, you know, kind of taken a straw poll on, on drilled lugs, and um, some people hate them and some people love them, as is most often the case with most things um, in the watch world. So I'm actually looking at offering both and letting people decide whether they want their lugs to be drilled or not. Um, I think some people will love it and, um, and some people will love not having it. So, um, you know, that's one thing where I, I'm going to offer some option. Um, other than that, I... I really don't. Uh, I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out. I mean, that's the thing. I wouldn't put it out there if I wasn't happy with it. Um, unless someone points out something that's easy to fix and terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Um, then, then it's like, oh, that's a good idea. Why did I think of that? Okay, sure. But I kind of thought about everything, I think, um, as far as how I think the watch should look. And you know, there's going to be people that say, I don't like it. I think the colors are wrong or blah, blah, blah. That's fine. Uh, don't buy it. I mean, um, but I'm not going to change it for that one guy who messages me on Instagram. You know, yeah, I, yeah sure. It's like, well, um, sorry, but that's, you know, uh, that's the way it is. Well, yeah, because you're uh, not making watches for that one guy. You're making right. watches for, for you, that one guy. And it happens to be that a bunch of other people like the watches that you also like. Right. right. It isn't undone, right? Where you can customize and have your grandma's name printed on the dial. Um, That's a good um, idea. Yeah. 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 Elma, um, Elma Jean for me. Mine would be the Doris. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So I really tried it. So, like I said, I mean, I, there's a lot that goes into behind what, what you see, and that you, you won't see all of that work and all that kind of, um, you know, missteps and, and that sort of thing. And, um, but that's okay. And, um, yeah, just, I would just want people to know that what they're getting is something that's been in the process for quite a while, quite a while. And, um, I've tried to think of everything to, to make it exactly the kind of way I, I would want it to look, um, in my head. So, I mean, originally, so originally this watch started out more like a, uh, a Rolex 1016, the, the original Explorer. And, um, you know, it had the 369, and um, it, the case, I mean, the case is very similar to that um, that design. And um, Yeah, you've done a good job capturing that classic, that classic sort of OP oyster-style case, uh, which is not a criticism at all. It's clearly its own watch, but it's got that classic case design and proportions. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly the what I was going for, really. You know, it's kind of being a, um, kind of a throwback to that, 
that time and that watch. And, um, but again, not having, you know, there's been a, I mean, there's been a number of field watches that come out in the last three or four years. And, um, um, I think this one's, I think this one's a little different and, um, and I, I'm proud of that. So. And the way the color plays on, on that dial and, and bounces off of the, the colored ring then mm-hmm. from different light angles, it almost looks like a gold, a gold back dial. It, it's a, it, yeah. the, the way it captures light is really cool. And, and, and going without a, a chapter ring, just going dial straight to the edge of the case, I think really supports that, uh, that color play in there. I think it's, I, it's really cool the way you work those colors. Thanks. Yeah. Now you you guys have the green one. I think that green has the most color shift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at some of my pictures on my website or um, on Instagram, the a lot of them are of the green one, but it looks black almost. And, yeah, and there's not, that's right. It goes from you know, everything from OD to more of a Kelly green to black. I mean, just the shift of a wrist. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Which I think is really cool. I mean, I, um, I in the Kickstarter, so I've already built the Kickstarter and, and all that. And, you know, I've even put, in the caption like this is the green one just because it looks black but it's not it's not black in that light it looks, it looks black in other lights it could look oh green or you know sure um, mm-hmm. yeah so i want people to understand that i think it's a cool feature of the watch because it kind of it depends on the lighting around you and even like you mentioned the the silver the silver dial i mean depends on the light around you if it's um, you know, if you're in a sunset, it's going to look kind of pink or whatever color the sky is, um, uh, which is kind of neat. So did you go with, a uh, AR coating on the, yeah, on the dial or yeah. on the, yeah, uh, still have so. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the inside, um, there's a coating to help reflect, uh, cut down the reflection. Mm-hmm. Wait, was it difficult to get 200 meters of water resistance in a, in this case, in the form factor? Um, you know, no, I think, I think, um, you know, like you said, the flat crystal, um, the screw down crown, uh, it all came, you know, they, they, they all pressure test and and all that to make sure that it meets the, um, stated, stated, uh, requirements and, um, yeah, it didn't have any, didn't have any issues. So I was happy with that. I really wanted something, you know, there's some field watches that like are 50 meters and it's like, how is, Okay. So cough, cough, Hamilton, cough, cough. Yeah. If you want to jump in the lake, you got to take your watch off. That seems like a mistake to me. Or if Um, you fall in the lake. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, I wanted this watch to be built tough like a tank, but not look like a tank. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, so that was pretty, that was a pretty critical, you know, component of all that. So, you know, uh, one of the, not a question that gets posed, but sort of a, a statement that gets made about watches. We hear this all the time. Um, but but generally, I think we see, you know, folks lamenting watches, all watches, not any specific watch, all watches, uh, in, in the fashion of this isn't worth X because Y is also available at the same price or less money. Um, and, and I think that that's really reductionist, one. Uh, two, sometimes it's fair. Um, mm-hmm. for, for folks at home, I, I, I've got an interesting question, and, and, and uh, or at least it's interesting to me. 
where and do you nobody else and nobody else that's right <laughs> where where is the money in this watch you know obviously we've talked about the movement you're getting a really really high caliber movement in here relative uh to other watches and and, and certainly we've got the specs right this passes the spec smell test mm-hmm. uh where's the design where's the money in this watch that that is maybe different than say the Sonoma or, or, or the petrol, even in theory. Um, like why is the price point higher than those two watches? Yeah. I'm not asking you specifically that. I think the price point on this watch is fine. More sort of where does your, where does your money go into this watch? You, when you're calculating cost of goods, where, what are your big line items on a watch like this? Well, I mean, um, you know, the case is all CNC'd out of a single block of stainless steel. So that's not really, you know, that's not cheap. Um, and then, you know, putting it all together and, and, and obviously the, the movement piece of it all, that's, um, that's a big, big piece of the price as well. Um, and then, you know, honestly, the things that are, the things that are baked into the retail price that you wouldn't even think of are like, the duties fees to get the watches back into the United States. Like those are very high. Um, so there's things out there, um, you know, that are in the price that you probably wouldn't even think of as a, you know, as a person just interested in watches and think they look cool. Um, So I, I would like to keep talking about the scout, but we're going to, we're going to start running short on time because I really want to talk about, your marketing materials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where did that, so I, I, I know that this, this watch that, I mean, really all of your watches are vintage inspired. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, the way that you've recreated these one sheets, like I mean, these, these magazine pages for marketing purposes, perfectly integrated these watches that, I mean, it, they really highlight that that vintage aesthetic that that your watches represent and they they pair perfectly like this is this is a page that i would expect to see in my in in a magazine at my grandparents house Mm -hmm. i just i want to hear about the your inspiration for these how you get to and the idea that came behind it where you're getting your imagery and and how you're building these out yeah sure so you know, when I, um, if you look back at the Sonoma, there's some photos that I took of, um, like the watch on, a, an old vintage ad for like a Valvoline, mm-hmm. uh, motor oil or, you know, a champion spark plug. And, um, um, so I bought those old magazines off of, um, eBay for 10 bucks or whatever. And, um, that that is where the idea was born for those ads. I was looking through some of those magazines, um, and you know, I was really, really liking the the vintage ads that were in there, and thought, you know, it'd be cool if I made something like that, or I had somebody make something like that for the Scout, um, and you know, it all came together. It was funny because originally, what I was doing was. So I have some design people that I've hired before for little things. And um, my idea was I'm just going to mock something up 
Um, because if I just if I go to somebody, a designer, and say, this is what I'm thinking, they're not going to get the idea. You know, like, they're, if I show them an ad for a Champion spark plug from 1952, okay, they kind of get an idea of what I'm thinking, but they're not going to... I don't want to spend $5,000 for them to spend 500 hours mocking this up. So my idea was, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mock these up best I can, and then I'm going to turn it over to a designer and then they can just make it pretty and, you know, uh, add whatever touches that they want to add to it and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I started with, I think the black one and, um, the black scout and, um, and just had a lot of fun just playing around with the, the wording and the font and trying to find, um, uh, something that really lifted that, spirit it had like kind of those vintage ads have kind of a they're kind of playful in a way i mean they're like Mm -hmm. kind of silly or or even playful like the car of your dreams you know you can get a date in 12 seconds like very um kind of simple in that way and kind of that old school way uh, about them and so um you know kind of mocked up the the copy and um and the font and brought in the uh the Production photos of the final product I was going to use, and um, and then you know, kind of realized at the time that I really didn't need to send these off to any designers. That this was like kind of good enough, and this gets exactly across what I'm trying to do. And um, and and that's when I shared them on Instagram and um, got a lot of great feedback on on them for um, what they were and what they were trying to do and. And again, I think, you know, the idea is how are we, um, how am I going to brand this watch to be um, vintage-esque? Um, and I thought that those kind of retro ads were a good way of, of playing up that, um, that, that kind of take that I'm taking with these watches. So they kind of fit. So Are you going to do one for the, for the Crimson? I, yeah, I am. Yeah, I have to, I have to do that, so. Um, I got a week to go. Okay. <laughs> so I added, so on the Kickstarter, I actually I only added one just because um, you know it might be a little a little much having all three on there but, or four. Um, just to keep things simple. I, I you know I've backed a lot of Kickstarter projects, um, and um, sometimes I'm amazed at how uh, complex they are. Like yeah. You've like, got these $10,000 Kickstarter campaigns. Well, some of them are like really, they're like, the watches are all numbered and I have to memorize that like BR037 is the cream one, the cream chronograph one. And it just mm. come like make it easy on the guys. Like what's the, what's it called and, and that kind of thing. So, um, so I try to keep the Kickstarter pretty simple and, and really, I mean, despite what you want to think, um, the people who are going to back this watch on Kickstarter, they already know they're going to back this watch on Kickstarter. And I don't know how many people that is. That could be 50 or it could be 150 or, or whatever. But um, the Kickstarter piece of it, Kickstarter brings nothing to the table other than a platform um, to make this transaction happen on. They, I mean, in my experience, they really don't bring you customers. They doesn't. I mean, they mm. say they, um, but it doesn't really happen that way. 
you've got to do you've got to do the footwork on the market. Yeah, and I think that was a mistake I made with the petrol. Was I I assumed, um, well, being on this platform, I'm sure there's people who buy watches on Kickstarter, and when this watch comes up, I'm sure they'll be sent an email saying, "Hey, there's this new watch. You should know about it." Um, that does happen, and they do. I mean, it's possible to get like get on the front page of Kickstarter. Um, Kickstarter has a little recommendations thing for you, um, et cetera. But I think, at least initially, I overestimated the the effect that that was going to have on sure. sales. Yeah, um, no, I, I think you you you're putting your hands in God a little bit there. I I but, hope you make some prints of these uh, of these pages. I would buy prints for sure. Okay. Yeah, actually, there's one. I'm looking at one right now. I have it up in the garage. I framed one of them, and um, I have it up on the wall to kind of serve as an inspiration for um, all this all this stuff I'm doing. So, Do you have any plans for your next project to move away from Kickstarter as, as, your, as your platform? So this today, I, read, I listened to your guys' podcast on pre-orders, um, and I did agree with... Um, I did agree with you guys about you were talking. At, one of the things you that was mentioned was might have been Will um, that it gets kind of weird on like the fourth and fifth watch to be on Kickstarter. Like what what's going on there? Um, and I totally agree with that. Um, you know, honestly, like Yima on how are you pronounce it? Yema Yima Yima on Kickstarter. What is that? What is that about? I mean, they don't. Yeah, that seems strange to me. I mean, the watch looked great. Not that has nothing to do with the watch. It's about what it. I don't understand that. You know, and even um, you know, a brand like Hellgrey, they they're um, I mean, they they exclusively like launch on Kickstarter mm-hmm. and they make a lot of money doing it, which is kudos to them. Um, but again, it's kind of like hmm. Um, so with that said, I mean, they're. I think at a certain point I will probably get off uh, Kickstarter, though there are some really simple reasons why it makes a lot of sense. And it's, oh, yeah. not, it's not even financial. Um, it, it is financial, but it doesn't necessarily have to be financial. Um, you know, like you guys said, it's like, how many people are going to buy this scout on February 1st? Like 75? or 175 or some other number or, or seven. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um, so how many watches should I make and in what color? I mean, is it going to be a 25% split between all the colors? I seriously doubt it, but right. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I have my preference on color, but it might, you know, I might be surprised. And, um, so, I mean, it comes down to that as well. You know, one of the things about the, the Sonoma, you know, that Pepsi bezel that I put on there. I got so much shit for that. Like every YouTube comment was like, what the hell is this? Doesn't have, you know, it's not a GMT, but it has a Pepsi bezel. Yeah. We Who, talked about that when we had you on too, I think, right? The idiot that thinks uh, they should, that Pepsi bezel was the biggest selling colorway of all the watches. It sold out first. Yada, yada, yada. Um, So you can't, I mean, and I, you know, if I listened to the haters, I wouldn't have even offered it. And it was the number one selling watch. So it's just impossible to know what people are going to do 
um, and what's really going to resonate with folks. Um, Ultimately, your job is to be able to provide the amount of watches that people want so you're not wasting money on on watches people don't want. And Kickstarter provides a unique opportunity to be able to accomplish that goal. Yeah. Right, exactly. And the thing is, you know, if I was going to do like um, my own, like no pre-order, just I'm going to have you know, the John Mayer watch, we're going to do 50 of them or however many, you know, 150 of them, a, a finite number. You know, the, what the consequence would be is that there would be fewer watches available right. and there are fewer colors available. I would like just do green mm-hmm. and then I would just say, well, I'm going to sell 75 green and then that's, that's the end of it. And um, you, leave, you leave a lot of money on the table that way. Yeah. Or you don't, right? Like there, there's, there, it's a weird, it's a weird balance to strike, and that's that's why I asked the question. I'm just wondering, I'm wondering what the what the long term good speed plan is. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think I, I would like to do. I would like to not do Kickstarter at some point, um, just because I think um, there are a whole other host of issues that that you know that that creates um this this time i'm doing a seven day kickstarter which is uh which is fun um so it's just going to be up there for seven days and we'll see um what happens again like i said you know 10 minutes ago um everyone already knows that they want to buy this watch they've already decided that they're going to buy it or that they're not going to buy it and um they don't need 30 days to decide they have People who follow me on Kickstarter, I mean on Instagram, have been seeing this watch in their feed every two days for the last two months. So um, I've either convinced them that this is um, a really cool watch, which I think it is, or they're unimpressed, and um, and we'll find out. Um, we'll find out in you know a short amount of time here. But um, Jer- Jeremy, tell us when the watch is going to be available. Uh, mm-hmm. how much it's going to cost, how many, you know, early bird, uh, mm-hmm. options folks have, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So February 1st, it's a Monday. Um, at least, yeah, the Monday and, um, it's going to start at three sixty, uh, $360, um, for the first 75 watches. And, um, and then it goes up $30 each, each increment is like a $30 um, extra and, cost, and, so. and what's your landing RP on this? I'm sorry, say it again. What, what's, what's, the, what's the final price on this guy? The retail price? Oh, the retail price. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I'm thinking somewhere around what everyone else is charging for the same movement. You know, somewhere around the uh, $475, $500 mark. All right, good stuff. So, yeah. so a significant savings on this watch yeah. if you get in. If you get in on that day one uh, early bird special, and, and obviously all of the colors up to seventy five watches is is I believe what you're saying. Uh, to, o- o- over all the colors, your first seventy five watches are. That's right. You don't you don't even choose the color until the Kickstarter is like fully complete, and at that point you'll get to say, I'll send out a survey. And you'll, you know, get to say, I want the, I want the crimson one, et cetera. Um, and just for people, I mean, I think there's a big misnomer. I've seen, if you look on KickTrack, you can see the number of lost sales that people have in the last couple of days. And people like start pulling out like crazy. And I think 
I think part of the reason, I don't think it's actually buyer's remorse. I think people are concerned that they're not going to, like they're going to lose their money or that if mm-hmm. they, if they back a watch and it doesn't get funded, that they still pay the money or something that's completely not true. You only, your credit card only gets charged once the campaign is successful and like ends, not just that it meets the target, but that the, the time period ends. So um, in this case, there'll be seven days, but you know, in other cases, watches might be on there for 30 days or, or what have you. So, um, Here's my bet for colorway success. Okay. I'm going to go green, black, red, blue. Okay. Yeah, that's that my right. that's my guess too. I actually think I like the blue best of all, but I think I, I do too. Uh, I I think that's right. You know, Marco Mara's uh, did a review on the blue and his lighting setup. He's got a pretty mm-hmm. he's got a pretty good lighting setup for his for actually showcasing the dials. And I thought, golly, that thing looks really really great. Uh, it looks really blue in his. I've never seen it that blue. <laughs> super blue. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Blue's hard yeah. to get out. Like it, it's hard to capture blue. I mean the the blue bay fifty eight was pretty okay blue, and that blew the world up. And it was like it it's just blue. And I, I mean yeah. the 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 atlas looks black more often than not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I I I that I think Andrew might be. I think Andrew might be right on though. The Q Timex blue is always blue though. Mm-hmm. It's always blue. So, uh, I, I, the way he he has that blue lit on there, it looks it looks really good. But I I think that will probably I think green, black, blue, red, or red, blue. I think I think the red will do well. The crimson will do well. So the scout available February first. If you don't know what the hell we're talking about, get on at Goodspeed Watches on Instagram uh, and check it out because really neat watch. Uh, our friend Clay has done some photography. I know. Uh, there's a ton of great reviews that are out uh, on this guy right now. Uh, check them out. Andrew, other things, what do you got? I came prepared with another. Oh, it's not. I just have the Goodspeed website up on my phone. <laughs> so you're not actually prepared. I'm at mostly all. prepared. Prepared ish. Uh, yeah. Adjacent. I tried some new soaps. <laughs> okay. So, and I didn't even do it on purpose. Uh, Sam got me two Dr. Squatch soap squares. Oh, yeah. I didn't really know how to take it, right? Because I just, I used like a a squirt bottle of soap. She's like, that I've been using, like, you need to work on this. Well, I mean, so the last time I needed soap, because I've used the the Old Spice, um, like, Pure Endurance or whatever, the, the green one for 20 years yeah since college before that uh and she i was like hey could you get me more soap at target she goes yeah but i'm gonna pick it i was like okay (laughs) that's a weird thing to say (laughs) uh and she came back with some old spice varietal i don't remember what it's called but it's fiji or something no 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 it wasn't one of those it was like their next tier up oh it was like no longer young adult soap Right. It was like college adult soap. Like, I'm trying to be classy. And I was like, yeah, this works. Like, it's soap. It cleans me. And I smell okay afterward. And I came home from work the other day. And like sitting on my shelf in the bathroom was two cubes of soap or bricks of soap. And I was like, huh. Why did you get these? She's like, I don't know. I saw them. I thought you might like them. It's like, okay. So you're saying you don't like the soap. Okay. Uh, So I... (laughs) Cracked open uh, pine tar. 
was the it's a black one which it's a little bit weird to um to use a black bar of soap yeah i like pine tar soap though uh but it's great they have exfoliants in it some of the exfoliants are very sharp like i i have a scrape from from right. like a chunk that was this in is there. like pieces of oatmeal and stuff yeah it's it was it was sharp it, and it's gonna probably do some more damage but it feels and smells so good. It lathers Glow, really nice. Review. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna shave with it tomorrow because I think it's gonna do, be a really good shaving soap because the lather is super thick. It smells good. the The smell doesn't hang on you, but it, it's just it's it's fresh. It's good. My skin feels good afterward, and they're not expensive. They're like seven bucks for. I, I get maybe that is expensive for a bar of soap. I don't. I don't buy soap. Yeah, that's expensive for a bar of soap. Is I mean, it? it's it's maybe not unfairly expensive, but uh, yeah. I, uh, is it? Uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how long it lasts. This is definitely like next level soap prices, right? <laughs> Irish Spring is like seventy five cents a bar. Yeah, but Irish Spring turns your skin to like baked Canadian bacon, right? <laughs> well, perhaps, but I'm saying you're not buying a cheap bar of soap. No, but your skin doesn't feel good after Irish Spring. Well, you don't even smell that good after Irish Spring. It's that's the, that's the bar of soap you buy after you've been in the field for thirty four days, and you go to the shopette to get foot powder and soap because you must shower under a gallon, like under a, a five gallon bucket of water being poured. Can on we you. just clarify that I'm not advocating for Irish Spring? You made a discreet point, and I think that point deserves so, a reexamination. So, so evidently. $7 for a bar of soap. And as I'm saying it there, it does sound a little bit more expensive. But I don't know how long a bar of soap's going to last. You smell good. If you're looking for a new soap, uh, and if you're looking to maybe maybe upgrade your soap game, I didn't realize my soap game needed upgraded. And then I upgraded it. You know, well, it was upgraded for me. And I'm down with it. Yeah, you're obviously happy with this, with the way it smells yeah. and the way it works. And Yeah, so I've got, I have the citrus one. I'm trying to find the flavor. Uh, there's a grapefruit IPA. Why didn't she get that one? Damn it. Um, there's all kinds of flavors. Cedar citrus and uh, pine tar are the two flavors that I have. Uh, Those are both like very manly. Uh, that's me. Right. I'm very manly. But there's also spearmint basil scrub. They should get like, this is the... Bay rum? Valvoline, Valvoline scented. I mean, my, the, the, my favorite way to smell is like gun oil and gunpowder and, right. and like C clp and schlitz yeah like that i'm just like that's when i feel at my peak right. so uh check my, it's called dr squatch and there's there's dozens and dozens of brands out here doing the same soap method right now it's like the new thing i'm on board with it feel free to check them out with my recommendation that and and caution some of the exfoliants are very sharp. You you will be hamburger. <laughs> I also have baby skin. Like but you'll it, smell fantastic. Like when I just scratch myself when I have an itch and and I look at the the source, I look like Wolverines <laughs> attacked me. So uh, it could just be my sensitive baby skin. So Ever, what you got? I got a new thing. Uh, I got a new thing. I got a bathroom scale. I got a bathroom scale. I have been not happy with our bathroom scale for I don't know two years um it works fine it measures 
Um, but it's just not a satisfying experience. And and it's got some problems. It's got some... Uh, it was a Costco special. Is I don't stepping know. on a scale ever a satisfying experience for anyone? <laughs> <laughs> well, beyond beyond the psychological effects of stepping on a scale, it just wasn't you know physically and technically not a not a great machine um and, and so i started looking at scales and i ran into this company called wise w-y-z-e and it was a company i knew because having bought a new house i've been looking at security cameras you mm-hmm. you bought blink, blink. cameras yeah, I went blink. and i think many people go ring cameras well mm-hmm. there's a company called wise that is also making cameras and they do very similar things to Blink and Ring for a lot less money. Mm-hmm. And they get pretty good reviews. So the techno, the the physical specs of the machines are not quite as good, but I think you're getting like 85% of the utility. For like 50% of the cost. Yeah, for like 30 bucks yeah. a camera. Um, st- you know, buy, buy, bought it a piece at a time. And so I was familiar with the company. I was familiar with the good reviews. I looked up a couple reviews of this wise scale, and they seemed to be great. Uh, we got this thing in, and first thing, you take it out of the box, you're like, holy shit, this looks like a $100 piece of equipment. Uh, the bottom is plastic, but it's a good plastic. The top is glass with like, it's not a solar panel, but it looks like a solar panel. It's, uh, it's just very well-built looks attractive and it syncs with both apple health app oh and with wise wise has their own app and Mm -hmm. it syncs with their app as well and it keeps track of your weight over time it gives you some measurements that i find to be a little sketchy right it's telling me what my water disposition is and my body fat and i don't think it can know those things um and maybe i'm wrong it's got metal pads so it's gonna be it's gonna be doing some manner of like uh right it's got metal pads on it it's gonna do some it, kind of bmi analysis it, it does not have metal pads and that's another nice thing about this you don't have to step in a specific place you can step yeah. anywhere but i do think it has a conductive quality yeah. to it uh with that said i'm still skeptical of its ability to be able to measure my body fat percentage um it will tell you your heart rate uh, cool. through through the app uh I, i'm probably more confident in that metric mm-hmm. than i am than i am the the body fat and the water percentage but uh yeah anyway 25 bucks man what 25 dollars just the features you described made me think i was like this is a hundred dollar machine it's it's looks like a hundred dollar machine it feels like a hundred dollar machine 25 bucks and all these scales that are coming out now, all the modern sort of best scales are going to be pretty accurate. Uh, so I'm not worried about accuracy. It's just it's just a great machine for 25 bucks. I, you know, it's sort of an afterthought. Who cares about buying a scale? But I think for many, many people, it's something they want to have. Uh, for me, it's something, you know, I weigh myself not every day, but just about every day. Um and I wanted something. I wanted a machine that I was going to like, and this seemed like a great fit. And for twenty five bucks, it's like take a flyer on it. And if I hate it, I'm not. You're not out anything. I'm not pot committed. Yeah. Uh, and turns out, I, I mean, obviously short term review at this point, but pretty fucking great. Pretty great. Twenty five bucks for this thing. I'm kind of blown away. I'm wondering how long it'll last. That, well, that's going to be the 
It's only been out for about a year, I think. Mm -hmm. So you, I don't think that there are any long-term reviews out, you know, more than that, obviously. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, time will tell. Time will tell. Even if it's something you have to replace every couple of years. It's 25 bucks. For 25 bucks to get, you know, upgraded hardware or whatever, I think that would be worth it. Yeah, really happy so far. Wise scale. Winner. Jeremy. Hey. Other things, what do you got? My thing. Um, so I've been big, you know, um, hey. into cooking <laughs> with uh, cooking and like fire and wood, wood fires, that sort of thing. Yeah, cooking so and fire is kind of big in my life too. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm, not necessarily together, separately. Just cooking right. and right. also fire. I like joining. So have you guys heard of a discada before? No, tell me Do more. It. Yeah. So if you go to southwestdisc.com, um, so they have these. They're it's like the it's like a New Mexico okay. um, type of thing where they use the plowing disc to actually cook food in. It's not. Sanitary. And so I bought the. Uh, let's see. So you go to cooking discs. I bought that. And so the one I got is the. If you see the products, the Moab. Um, so it's a disc made out of like an old plow disc, but they actually I had them add legs to it. So you can cook over like open wood fire. You can take it camping if you wanted to. Um, I just set up a little spot in my backyard and started a wood fire. And you just you're cooking in this like original plowing disc, um, you know, making chili or you know fajitas in it, um, that sort of thing. It's pretty fun. It's kind of a social thing. Even is it you know socially distance uh, social thing um, can have fam some family over and uh, cooking out out of doors um, in this thing where it's it's kind of fun. So that's that's something I've been into lately. Which one did you get? Uh, the Moab. But I had them add legs to it for like an extra ten bucks. The so Moab. I'm looking for. It has the rimmed. Um, it's on page one. It's uh, the bottom. Oh, the right. bottom one. Okay. Yeah, it has like yeah. a, a rim around the side, so you, you know, doesn't lose. You don't lose anything. Um, but um, yeah, it's fun. You, you know, this reminds me of these sort of rural, uh, rural Southeast Asian. Uh, mm -hmm. Open fire walks is what it reminds yeah, me of. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I saw. I was like, oh yeah, of course, an, a, another culture is going to have this. And so I assume the, is this carbon steel that yours is? Yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. So you have to. It's kind of like you know taking care of a cast iron skillet. Mm -hmm. um, it'll develop uh, a seasoning over time, um, but uh, you know just keep a layer of oil on it and it won't rust and that sort of thing. That's awesome. I love outdoor cooking. Yeah. I I think I cooked more outdoors when I was living in Texas than I did indoors. Now mm -hmm. it rains all the time, so you have to cook indoors. Right. Sure. Bummer. <laughs> Bonesville. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool, man. I dig that. Uh, I like the fact that these are repurposed plow discs too. That's kind of. Yeah. That's like an added benefit. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, cool. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Captain Planet. He's our hero. That's right. Gonna take. Okay. Pollution down to zero. Is it pollution down to zero? <laughs> yeah, pollution down to zero. Yeah. This is bringing me back to to Tuesday morning getting yeah. ready for school. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. So, well, Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Before we before we go, anything anything you want to shout out or or talk about? You know, I don't think so. I think um you know, I think we covered it. You know, just uh the 
you know, check out Goodspeed Watches, uh, goodspeedwatches.com. The Scout is uh, our newest uh, project, and it's launching on February 1st, um, early in the morning on, uh, on that Monday. So um, it'll be only up there for uh, a week, so that's your time, time to get a discount on, um, on this watch over retail and um, under retail. And, and I, I appreciate the time today, guys. And real quick, what's your Instagram handle, Jeremy? It's good speed watches. Good speed watches. That's what I thought. I, I said that earlier, and then I'd second guess yeah, myself. Yeah. No so uh, at good speed watches, uh, tons of good, tons of good photos on there. And uh, I think if you just search for good speed watches, you're going to find a ton of great pictures. And, and check them out on Monday on Instagram. Monday, February first, on Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, one more thing. Um, you know, we've got I think maybe nine reviews up on YouTube now. Um, so you can check it out in the metal. There's, there's every color is up there. Um, green, green, blue, and black. And, um, you know, I didn't pay for any of those reviews, so they're not, you know, they're, they aren't shills that are doing my bidding for me, but, um, you know, you can check out, you can see the watch kind of in, you know, favorable and unfavorable lighting and, and what have you to kind of see what it really looks like from all angles and, and that sort of thing. So I recommend people checking that out if they're curious as well. Fantastic. Andrew, anything yeah. you want to add before we go? I have one last thing. I recently read our iTunes reviews. <laughs> <laughs> they're poor. <laughs> yeah, they're poor. You know, there's just not very many of them. There's nine. And so... <laughs> not good. You know, we've got some good ones. Well, yeah. Yeah, there are some. But... We've got some good ones. We've got, I think, about three of them, which is which is not very many bad reviews, but it's... It's when a, there's nine, it's a pretty high percentage. <laughs> so we're going to ask something of you guys. I'm going to ask. Everett might not be asking. If you guys like the show, listen regularly, whatever podcast platform you're using to listen to them, drop on in give us a rating and leave a review and and then just leave a review cuz frankly I don't I don't read the I mean we've been doing this for 2 years and I just read the reviews um give us episode ideas in the reviews or your your favorite episodes your least favorite episodes because reviews are meant to be just that like we point people to the episodes that meant something to you point out to us what we've been doing right and what we've been doing wrong mostly where we could get better don't just say that I hate the sound of Andrew's voice cuz that's that's not i can't change it right that's it's you're it's set if you're listening stone. we're stuck with it it's set in stone <laughs> yeah i mean can we can even make a promise to you guys if you guys leave us a, a review and, and andrew says any platform i'm going to clarify we're really for for some important reasons that a technical person could be able to tell you better than i can itunes reviews are the ones that matter um if you go to itunes and you leave a review and you make a show suggestion and it's not total trash We'll work with it, and we will, at some point, make that show. Yeah, it's going to make my life way easier. I don't have to do any kind of development or planning. And if I can tell who you are from the post, we'll talk to you about it, too. Yeah. Yeah, shoot us a DM. Let us know who, how you reviewed it, and we'll, we'll, we'll plan it out. Andrew, anything else? No, that's it. Review our stuff. All right. <laughs> Obviously, check out, check out Jeremy, goodspeedwatches.com on Instagram at Goodspeed and look for that Kickstarter that's going to be going live Monday, February 1st. And thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Hey, thank you.
Check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20 and at the watch clicker. Also check out the website, watchclicker.com. That's where we put all the reviews. That's where we put uh, all of our articles and every single episode of the podcast. If you want to support watch clicker or 40 and 20 and 40 and 20, yeah. you can do so at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Really guys, that is where we get all of the money for hosting uh, hardware, software, etc. We, we really appreciate your support. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.